welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. God, we thank you so much for being our way maker, for being the one who guides us in every single uh, moment of our lives, God, the one who paves the way for our lives, uh, God, as, as you guide us through your word to see what's in front of us, to see the next step, God, to take us where you desire for us to go, God, and we're just so grateful that that it is you that we get to worship and, and hear about to learn about this morning, God. So we just give this morning over to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Y'all be seated. Well, like Pastor Larry said earlier today, my name is Pastor Danny. So I'm one of the pastors here at Queen's Church, and I get to bring the word this morning. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Usually you see me you know, either on the worship band or something else, right? Um, and so uh, it's just a fun opportunity. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, uh, if not, it'll be on the screen or you can pull it up on your phone. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Starting in verse 21, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, as soon as you get there, say, I got it. Some of y'all got it already. You knew that because we've been in Matthew 5 for like three years already, it feels like, right? We've been walking through this series called Portrait. It's a series through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Just this amazing passage that Jesus, uh, you know, that we get to hear and and read about Jesus' words uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We'll get to that here in a second. Um, So Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 21, here in a little bit, we'll read it together. Uh, But before I get there, uh, I want to give you the title of today's message. Today's message is called Don't Hesitate. Don't Hesitate. So look at the person next to you, give them a high five, say, do not hesitate. Don't hesitate. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Maybe you've hesitated in something in this life before, like maybe like like, I know, like, when I was, like, uh, in, in junior high and high school, like, uh, there was, like, maybe this, this girl I thought was cute, and I was just like, man, I'm, I want to talk to her. I want to maybe get her name, but then I would kind of hesitate, right? Uh, and I would hesitate because I knew one day I would meet Summer, right? Amen. Uh, just kidding. And then, uh, but, but there was one time where the first time I came to New York City, uh, actually, no, sorry, scratch that. It was another time I came to New York City on a mission team. Uh, and some of you guys know this person. He used to be on staff at Connection Church. His name is Wojo. That's his nickname, John Wojciechowski. Uh, so we were here with our mission team one time, and Wojo texted me early in the morning. He said, hey, Danny, let's meet for coffee before we get together with the mission team. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So we go. We meet for coffee at this little coffee shop in Astoria. Uh, and then uh, what happens is this guy walks in wearing a Christian rap artist T-shirt. Some of you are thinking, there's Christian rap artists? Yes, there is. And no, he was not wearing a Kanye shirt. It was something totally different, right? So he, was, he walked in, and he was wearing this Christian rap artist t-shirt. And then Wojo and I kind of look at each other, and we're thinking, like, man, like, that dude, he might be a Christian. There's, like, you know, one out of a million of those here in New York City, right? And so we said, let's go talk to him. Uh, I know he's a pretty typical New Yorker that he had just came in, grabbed his coffee, and bounced really fast, right? So we didn't, we didn't get the opportunity to talk to him. But I remember thinking, like, I would love to talk to this guy, maybe see if he's connected to a church or anything like that, uh, but we also kind of hesitated in that moment, right? Fast forward, we kind of go about our day, we're hanging out, that was early in the morning. Later on in the day, like at five o'clock, uh, I'm on the subway with our mission team, and all of a sudden the doors open up, and who do I see? Homeboy walking in with the Christian rap artist t-shirt, I was just like, man, what are the odds? There's like five or six of these subway cars just later on in the day, and I see the same guy. It was a whole different area, too, of Astoria, and all of a sudden I just felt God telling me, talk to this guy, right? Talk to this person. Um, and what did I do? I hesitated. I didn't talk to him, never seen him again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so what I did, 
was I was like, bro, like, I saw you this morning getting coffee. I know that sounds kind of weird and kind of creepy, but don't think I'm weird or creepy. Uh, but, but I love your shirt. Uh, that's a really cool shirt. Like, like, you know, like, tell me about this dude or whatever, because I had knew, knew who that person was on his shirt. Uh, and then we started talking, and he had said he had just moved to the area, so I invited him to Connection Church. Uh, and that Sunday, he actually had went to service, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, but after that, I mean, I went back to Texas. I have no idea where he's at now. That's a true part of the story. Uh, but, yeah, so there's moments in our life where we hesitate. I hesitated to talk to that dude early in the morning, but then God's like, bro, don't hesitate. And then God's like, I'm going to provide another opportunity for you to talk to him again. And he just did that on the subway like hours later, right? Uh, so I thought that was a really interesting part. Uh, and I feel like as we get into today's passage, uh, God's going to tell us that theme today. Don't hesitate. Don't wait on doing this specific thing. Um, and it's actually a really challenging thing. So Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Hopefully you guys are there. It'll be on the screen. It says this. It says, you have heard that it was said to those of old. This is Jesus talking. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and to be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Let's pray. Father God, I love you. Thank you this morning uh, for providing us a place to worship you, God. Uh, we, don't, we don't really just take that lightly. We're just so excited that you get to open up Colorwork Studio for us uh, to be able to worship you, to dive into your word. Uh, God, so I pray that this morning uh, you would teach us something about yourself that we didn't already know. Uh, God, that we would walk away differently than the way we came in. Uh, Father, we love you so much. Do something cool this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, some of you guys are probably thinking like, man, I thought church was like some feel good stuff, right? I thought like this is supposed to be like maybe you feel all the butterflies and everything. And here you're talking about murder and anger and hell of fire. Like what does all this stuff even mean, right? Uh, the really cool thing is next week, Larry's going to do a whole exposition on hell, right? I'm going to leave that for him to do. I'm going to do the fun stuff, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but maybe you're thinking like, man, is hell even real? Like, I mean, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, well, what's it like, Danny? I have no idea. I just know I'm not going because of Jesus, right? Amen. Uh, and so, so so we're going to get into all that as we kind of go about uh, really church as a whole. Uh, but, but really uh, what I love about Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, as we talk about this theme and idea of portrait, uh, just Jesus painting this picture of a disciple, right? Is Jesus, what he's been doing for the past, uh, what we've been looking at for several, several weeks now, uh, but in the same message, in the same sermon, Jesus is transitioning from inward attitudes to outward expressions, right? That we looked at the Beatitudes, and, and ladies are going to do that again this coming weekend with the, with the Women's Conference. Look at the Beatitudes, the inward attitudes of our hearts, and now flowing out to outward expressions of how we express those attitudes in every area of our life. Uh, and I believe what Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount is that relationships matter, Right? is that how we relate to God matters, how we relate to each other matters, right, within the church, how we relate to people outside of the church matters, right? Uh, and we looked at that by talking about being the salt and light a couple of weeks ago. Y'all remember that? Where Larry, like, just doused that, uh, that you know, donut or pastry, whatever it was, in salt, and, like, yeah, try eating it. No, we're not going to do that, right? Uh, but we, we look at that we're supposed to be the salt and light, to stand out to the culture and the world around us because relationships matter, Right? And now Jesus gets into, into like these really specific topics that we're going to walk through over the next several weeks. 
of how we relate to people in very specific ways, right? Uh, and today, if y'all caught on to it as we read the passage, we get to talk about a very, very fun topic, which is a topic of anger, right? The theme of anger. And because nobody in this room struggles with that, we're just going to go ahead and pray and close up, and we're just going to walk out already, right? Amen. Uh, no, but that's probably something that maybe all of us have struggled with at some point or other of our lives is this theme and topic of anger. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm excited to get into it. Here, what Jesus is doing is he's really calling us to this radical righteousness, this radical righteousness to do something that's extremely outside of culture, do something that's extremely different from what the world around us is doing, even within the church, right? This radical righteousness, and he he even said this uh, as Mac preached last week, that we are called to be even more righteous, exceeding the righteous of Pharisees and the scribes, right? But what I believe is Jesus is doing as he's communicating all this is that he's saying that he is the fulfillment of the law, right? That I have not come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. And what Jesus is telling us is without him, we can't really do anything. And all of these things that Jesus is about to teach us when it comes to anger and lust and all these other issues is that we don't do all these things. We don't practice all all these deeds in order to gain something, right? We don't do it in order to be saved, right? Like, I'm not going to go do all these commandments and do all these things so that I can be saved. We do it because we are saved, right? It's out of an abundance of our relationship with God already, right? Like Larry said, like, we don't just give, you know, in the box in the back in order that we may gain something. We do it because we are saved, because we are worshiping God in that sort of way, right? And so what Jesus is doing here in this moment is he's calling us to this radical righteousness and, and really helping us see a proper understanding of our identity. Like, I've read the verse, you are the salt and light, like, so many times, uh, you know, kind of like, like going in church when I was in high school and growing up through all that. And, and, and just recently when we were studying that passage, like, that, just that word are, three letters, so powerful, right, is that you are the salt. You are the light, meaning that it's not something we do. It's not something that we try to put on. It's just who we are as a believer of Jesus Christ. It's our, our, our identity, and that he calls us to live that out, right? And so all of these overarching themes are built within this understanding of relationships, how we relate to God, how we relate to each other, how we relate to God's word, as we saw last week, understanding the Old Testament law. So I want to talk about that for just a little bit, right? Because maybe, maybe you're a Bible scholar like Larry, but maybe you're just like, I just opened the Bible like two days ago. I have no idea what this is about. Um, but but I, I want to get into the law a little bit. If you all ever go back to the book of Exodus, which is an amazing book, one day we'll walk through it here for like 40 weeks. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but it's this amazing story of, of, of the Israelites, God's chosen people, right, called by Moses in that moment. And all of a sudden what happens is God rescues the Israelites from slavery, from the Egyptian, you know, power. And they were in slavery for like 400 years. And God says, you know, I'm, I'm, y'all are going to be let go, right? Pharaoh, let my people go. Maybe you've seen the movie, all that stuff, 10 plagues, pff, bugs, and all those really crazy things. But then all of a sudden they get rescued from uh, slavery and God leads them through, right? parting of the Red Sea, all that good stuff. And after all that happens, God gives the law to Moses, and Moses writes it down. And then you can start reading about what Moses writes down. He starts writing down the famous Ten Commandments and all these other crazy commandments, right? There's like 513 laws or something like that. Um, And so they, they, they start writing these down. And now what we see Jesus doing is he starts referencing those laws, right? He says this crazy statement in verse 21, you have heard that it was said, do not murder, right? which is one of the Ten Commandments, I believe commandment number six, right? So now he goes back and he references those laws. And so for these people, they knew the law, right? 
Maybe some of them like deeply studied it, they applied it, and they, and they, they had a good understanding of the Old Testament law. And so when Jesus starts referencing this stuff, they kind of know what he's talking about a little bit. But it's kind of crazy because Jesus says this in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Common sense with that one. But then look what Jesus does in verse 22. He says, but I say to you, let's kind of pause right there. Because that's a crazy statement for someone to make, right? When you think about God's word and the Old Testament law, it says, you've heard that it said this. So he's like, y'all know this stuff, right? Like, like, like you've studied this. And maybe you have like a, like you've heard your parents or grandparents say this stuff. And you, you kind of know this stuff, right? He says, but here's what I tell you, right? I think in that moment when, these, when this crowd was hearing Jesus say this, they were just like, bro, like, what are you about to say? Like, you better slow down, Jesus, right? They probably start freaking out a little bit, like, what's this guy about to do right now, right? Jesus says, but I say to you, this statement probably freaked everybody out in the audience that was listening, right? Jesus says, for so long, this is what you've known, but that's not what it means, right? Jesus is the only one who has the authority and ability to do this, which is a crazy thing. I can't read God's word and say, you've heard this, said this, but here's what I tell you, like, I mean, it's not going to have any weight behind that, right? But Jesus is like, I got authority. I have the ability to do this, and this is what's going to happen. Have you ever done something for, like, so long, like, like a habit of yours, and someone says, hey, yeah, you're doing that wrong, right? It's like, I'm not, maybe, you, maybe this happens to you, but like, yeah, you're brushing your teeth wrong. You're not using the brush side. You're using the bottom side. It's like, what? Well, this, this works. It's like, no, you have to use the brush side, bro, right? I don't know. That was just a dumb example. But maybe you've done something for so long. And all of a sudden, someone comes up to you and tells you, yeah, you've been doing that wrong, right? That's a hard thing to hear. For so long, these people in the audience, this crowd, right, they had been following the law. Maybe traditionally, right, maybe they, they just thought they were doing it right. I don't know. But they were doing something that was outside of what the law was requiring them to do, or really with the heart of the law, which we're going to get to in a second. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, but here's what I'd say to you. If you're angry with someone, it's basically the same thing as murdering someone, right? And that, and that moment, they're just like, wait, what? Right? All of us have sat in sermons, and maybe there's times, because when we're reading this, you know, we're kind of breaking it down piece by piece. But when Jesus is saying it, he started in verse 1. He just keeps going, right? And so it's just one sermon, right? We're breaking down to like 30 sermons. But, but there's moments in sermons where we just kind of like pause for a second, and we check out. We look at our phones, right? And then we do certain things. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying this is me personally. I mean, sitting in church in the fall is really hard for me because football's starting. So, like, you know, right about the time I start checking my phone, make sure my fantasy team's, like, good to go, right? And so, like, I shouldn't do that. I should do it before church. I know. Sorry. God forgives me. But maybe there's moments, like, sometimes we just kind of check out for a second. And so maybe there's a guy kind of sitting in this section, sitting in this audience, listening to Jesus. And he says, you've heard this said, don't murder. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm good there. I haven't murdered anybody. He just kind of stops paying attention for a second. But then all of a sudden, Jesus says, but I say to you, if you've been angry with someone, you've done the same thing. He's like, starts choking on his fish taco that he was eating, right? He's like, what did, what did that guy just say, right? Did he say what I think he said, right? I don't know. And he's just like, what is this guy even talking about, right? What Jesus is doing, what I believe, is he's getting into the internal heart of the law. Whereas for so long, they've been just focused on the external reality of the law, right? They've been saying, I'm just going to practice these things. I'm just going to do what I need to do and move on. 
And Jesus says, no, there's a deeper understanding behind this. There's, there's a love understanding behind all this. There's an internal understanding of all this. Because once you go after the heart of the issue, once you go after really the root of the issue, that's when we're going to see the right result. And that's what Jesus does throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount. He's, he attacks the root to produce the right result, right? And so looking at the specific commandment that Jesus talks about here, which is murder, you've heard that it says don't murder. Oh, yeah, I'm solid there. I haven't done that, right? But then maybe they look around like, but you've done that. You better listen right here, right? And so, like, you know, trying to call people out. We did it all the time, right? But then Jesus says, he just levels out the playing field and says, maybe not everybody in this crowd has murdered someone. Maybe only, like, ten people have. But everybody has been angry, right? Hopefully not ten people. I don't know why I said that. But that wasn't in my notes. But maybe, maybe everyone here has been angry. So he levels out the playing field and says, hey, this is not just for that person. This is for everybody in this room right? And so for us in here, like, this is not just for one person in this room. This is for me. This is for everybody in this room, that for those who, who have been angry with someone, you've kind of done that. And maybe you're thinking, like, man, I was angry at the person on the subway playing loud music. Does that mean I murdered them? Hang out till the end. There's grace for you. So Jesus goes after the heart of the issue. He attacks the roots of what's going on here, because God's word is so much more than external observation. It's about internal transformation. And he attacks the root to produce the right results. So let me share a story with you guys. Um, so when I was like in college, um, I worked at this Christian like summer camp, right? So if you ever, I don't know if you've ever seen any videos of it, uh, but it's basically like this gigantic place that has like a huge pond and they have one of those things where it's like a, they call it the blob where one person hangs out at the end and one person jumps on it and it flows like flies them into the water. Uh, really, really fun, awesome place. Uh, a huge place for, for me and for summer. That's where we met. Amen. We got married uh, because of this Christian camp that we worked together at. Uh, and so, but, but for, for me, like I used to work there and it was a fun time. Uh, the one thing I really didn't like about working at camp was anything that dealt with water. Like I'm not really a huge fan of like, like going like into this random pond that has fish in it and they're just like nibbling at you. You're just like, bro, like stop it. Right. And it's really gross and dirty. Um, and so I remember my second year of working at this camp, like I was now kind of considered a senior staffer. So like they would give me people like, all right, Danny, you're in charge. Take this crew of five guys and go do this job. I was like, all right, let's do it. So I was like, all right, what's my job? Where, do I, where am I leading this crew? And they said, I want you to go to the pond right away. I was like, oh, dang it. I got to go to the pond. Um, and I want you to remove the cattails, right? So cattails were these super long, like really gross, like long, like, like tree thingies inside of the water. And, and they were like twice the size of me. So in the water, like, like if I was standing in the water at like head height, they would go all the way down to where my feet are, and they would stick out about the same height as I am outside of the water. And they were just kind of all like curled up in the pond, like in the corner of the pond, and they wanted them gone because it just kind of looked bad. But also where, the, where like the cattails are, that's where water moccasins love to hang out. And my second fear uh, besides like water is snakes. I freaking hate snakes, right? Because snakes brought sin into the world, amen? So I don't like them, right? And so... So I know that they're hanging out in there somewhere, you know, just hanging out, doing whatever water moccasins do. And so he told me, like, two things I do not want to do. He said, go do it. I was like, oh, fine, let's go do this. You know, I'm a senior staffer. I'm trying to, like, show these kids, like, like this is how we work, right? Amen. Um, and so what I did is I went to, the, to, like, our work shed, and I grabbed a bunch of those, like, like, tree loppers. All right, so let's go lop these trees. So let's go down to the water. And we start going in there. We start lopping all these to where, like, now, like, if you're looking at them, you can't see them, right? Because I'm cutting them, like, just underneath the water, right? Cutting them, cutting them. And then my boss comes by in a golf cart, and he looks at me. He says, Danny, what are you doing? I said, I'm removing the cattails. He said, you're not doing it right. I was like, what do you mean? 
And he comes up, and he's dressed in, like, street clothes. Like, he's wearing, like, jean shorts and a shirt. He's got a radio and his phone and all that stuff. And he starts removing all of his stuff, like, anything that, like, if it got wet, it would, like, mess up. And he jumps into the water, no joke. And he goes to the bottom, and he starts pulling out the cattail from the bottom. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I was just like, bro, go ahead. I mean, you already did it, right? Like, I'm, I'm good now, right? Because there was, like, 100 of these things. He says, this is what I want you to do, right? Why do you think he did that? Because if I just go and just keep lopping these things out, you know what's going to happen next summer? Is someone's going to get my job and be like, all right, go remove the cattails. Have to do it all over again, right? But because we take out the roots, that's going to be the result that he wanted, to no longer see them there anymore, right? Because what we have to do when it comes to our relationship with Jesus is we have to do work with the root of the issue, right, in order to see the right results, right? And that's what Jesus is doing throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, this is what you've heard, right? And this is what you've practiced for so long. It's been about this external relationship, but I want you to get deeper. I want you to get to the heart of the matter. I want you to get internal because when we do work with the root, we see the right results. And so now we're talking about this theme of anger and being upset, right, which is what everybody here, um, you know, none of us deals with that. So I have this question um, that I want to work with for a couple of minutes. Is being mad bad, right? Is it a bad thing to be mad? Is it a bad thing to be angry, right? Like, like when, is it, when is that like a sin? Because Jesus says if you're angry, you have the same judgment as if you murdered somebody, right? Because it's a heart of issue, right? And, and if you ever read stories about Jesus, you, we see moments that Jesus was angry, that Jesus got upset. And so you're like, well, Jesus, did he murder somebody? Like, what, right? Like, look at you, bro. I thought you were perfect, right? But what happens is this, is that whenever we see Jesus get upset, whenever we see Jesus get mad, whenever we see Jesus get angry, you know what the kind of central theme is? It's always towards injustice, unrighteousness towards somebody else, right? That if he sees someone getting abused, if he sees some outcasted person getting abused, that's when he gets upset. That's when he starts speaking up. That's when he starts defending that person, right? Like if, if you remember the story where, where there's all these money changers in the temple and they're charging extra for Gentiles to come and worship and take a sacrifice, almost making it impossible for them to even worship and pray, he gets upset. He starts flipping the tables and we start seeing Jesus get angry, right? But it's not because something was done towards him, like personal mistreatment. It, it was because he was angry at what people were doing towards others, right? That's when it's okay to get angry. It's called righteous anger in the Bible. That whenever we see injustice done towards other people, that's when we say, we defend that person. We speak up for that person because maybe they have no one defending them, right? And Jesus says, I'm going to help that person right there, right? There's another story where these Pharisees, they, they catch this woman in the act of adultery and they throw her in front of Jesus and says, what do you say about this woman, right? The Bible says we should stone her. And all of a sudden Jesus says, hey, like if you've never sinned, go ahead. Yeah, stone her. And then they're like, all right, Jesus, I see you, right? But he defends her, right? He's there for her. He has her back in those moments, right? And, and that's when we see that, that Jesus gets upset, that Jesus gets angry. But notice this. Jesus wasn't angry at personal mistreatment. Whenever it was something towards him, whenever they arrested him, whenever they beat him, whenever they sent him to the cross, you know what he was doing? Silent, right? He was quiet, right? One, because he knew that was his mission, but because also he knew that the right time to be angry was towards injustice. Jesus became angry for the sake of others. Now let's think about ourselves, right? I'm going to put myself in this story. Think about our anger. Is it the same as Jesus' anger? Because really that's the only time it's okay to be angry, right? 
a lot of times what happens is we get upset. It makes sense, right? We get angry whenever someone mistreats us personally. When someone says bad, says something bad towards us. When someone leaves like a hateful comment on something that we post, right? And we get upset and get mad. And all of a sudden we start commenting towards each other back and forth. And there's just this Facebook war that's never going to end, right? Amen. So, so we get angry towards personal mistreatment. But when you see Jesus, that's not how he does it, right? And Jesus is the perfect portrait, so we should try to do what he does. So what's our reaction when someone offends us in a harmful way and, and, and maybe we deserved it or maybe we offend somebody else and maybe they deserved it. Maybe they did something dumb and they're like, bro, you should not have done that. And we get upset and angry at them, right? So what, what's our reaction in those moments? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. If you can put it on the screen, it says this. I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire, right? This is an extremely challenging verse and really a call to this new radical lifestyle that Jesus is calling us towards. And, and what you notice is Jesus doing this, he's kind of like building up these points towards this, this reality of, of anger and murder, right? Like, like just this is my belief and my thought. I don't think Jesus is saying like, like if you notice there's three different things, Right? I don't think Jesus is saying three strikes and you're out, right? If you get angry three times, you're done. There's no grace for you, right? Because I've been angry way more than three times, but I know that Jesus still saved me, right? And so, so I don't think Jesus is doing like this three strikes and you're out. I just think he's trying to build up his argument saying that as you allow anger to kind of like fester and build up, then all of a sudden it's just going to erupt outside and you're going to do something that you should not have done, right? It's going to become this external practice when you just internalize it so much. And so what do we do? I, there's two practical points I want to give us to what we do in order to really fight this emotion of anger. Because what Jesus does is he takes the, the reality of murder, right, the external outcome of murder, and he equates it with the emotion of anger. And this, these are two things we need to do. So two practical points, someone that will be done. Number one is this. It's take action where action is needed. Take action where action is needed, right? And where is action needed? At the root, at the heart. That's where Jesus wants us to do work with, right? Because if we don't take action where action is needed, it's going to build up and build up and build up, and all of a sudden, we're just going to be in a place that we do not want to be in, right? And maybe for so long, the way that you've grown up, culture has taught you something and how to act in certain areas, but yet Jesus is now completely changing and challenging that process that we now have. Don't get upset, right? But it's allowing Jesus to do the work that he desires to do in our lives, one of the statements that Jesus makes in this passage in verse uh, 22 is kind of a, a different statement that maybe we don't use every day. But he says, whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And you're like, you fool? Like, who says that, bro? Like, you know, we're in 2019 now, right? And so that's not a phrase we normally use. And so I want to kind of camp out there for a second. I want to talk about that because that's not really a phrase. Like, maybe when, I, when we hear Jesus say that, we don't understand the weight behind that phrase. Whoever says you fool Basically, what that's doing there is if you call somebody that, you're lessening someone's value, right? You're calling somebody worthless, right? And what do we believe about God? That God knew us before the foundation of the world, right? That God knows the numbers of head on our hair, right? That God knows us intimately, right? Because he created us, right? And we are designed and made in his image. So whenever we say someone is worthless, because they don't look like us, dress like us, act like us, they, they're from a different ethnicity, they have a different social economic background, and we say, yeah, I'm so glad I'm not like that person. We're basically lessening their value when God says, I love that person. I sent Jesus to the cross for that person, right? 
Jesus died and rose again for that person. I remember people were asking us, like, why do you guys want to move to New York to start a church? I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? You can just start a church here in Texas where all your family and friends are. And, and I've always loved the response of one of the pastors in Manhattan. His name is Tim Keller. And he says, there's 8 million reasons why I would start a church in New York City. You know what he's referencing? The number of people here, right? Because the image of God is more per square inch in cities like New York City than anywhere else in the world, right? And that's helped me so much just kind of like, you know, because going from driving in my car, which is me in summer, and there's like nobody else bothering us, to sitting in a subway like this when there's someone like right here in front of my face, I'm just like, this is different for me, right? But as soon as I start seeing people that that person is made in the image of God, even though they don't look like me or act like me or think like me, then it allows me to look at them differently, allows me to love that person in a different way, right? Maybe, you know, just give them a smile versus give them an ugly look because they're playing music so loud, right? And so whenever, whenever you see Jesus saying that, you may be thinking, I've heard people call stuff like someone way worse than you fool. Or I've called someone something way worse than you fool. Maybe this is something that has been done towards you, something you've been doing towards somebody else. Know this, whenever we make those kind of statements, we're devaluing someone's life. And maybe that's been made towards you. Maybe, maybe someone has made comments towards you in those sort of ways. One, I'm sorry, right, that should not have happened. But two, don't forget the value that you have in Jesus Christ, right? Because here's what the Bible tells that Jesus is what? The King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? That's who he is, right? The King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Bible says when we place our faith in Jesus, that makes us what? Sons and daughters of the king, right? So the women and ladies in this room, what does that mean? It means that you are a daughter of the king, right? What is a daughter of a king? Princess, right? That's your value. For, for the men in the room, you are a son of the king. What does that make us? It makes us a prince of the king of kings, right? It means that we should treat others with this prince-like fashion. That, that women, you, even though sometimes it doesn't happen that you're not treated in a princess-like fashion, know that God loves you in a princess-like fashion. Because that's who you are, right? We have so much value. And what Jesus is saying, whenever you devalue someone in this sort of way, this is the, the emotion that I'm talking about, right? And then he tells us to do something, right? He says, take action where action is needed. But then he says, if this is you, if you have this against your brother or against your sister, here's what I want you to do, verse 23. If you're offering your gift at the altar, in other words, if you're at church and you're worshiping, because that's kind of the significance of offering a gift. And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift at the altar and go. So here's number two. We're almost done. Number two is be proactive, not reactive. Be proactive, not reactive. Right? So Jesus is saying in this moment, like, if you're in the middle of worship, and they're playing Waymaker, and you're just like, man, this song is so good. I got all the feels right now. And all of a sudden, God brings to your remembrance, like, hey, this is what I want you to do. That person across the room that you have beef with, I want you to go squash it right now. And you're like, man, but we just got into the bridge, and it's so good. It doesn't matter, right? Because why, do, why does God do that? Why does he say, and there, remember, like, at that moment, do this? Why? Because we're forgetful people, right? Anybody ever said this phrase? I'll do it later. <laughs> Just, just me and Angela. <laughs> okay, a couple of people. Don't, yeah, don't, don't be, don't be shy. It's okay, right? If I show you the notes on my phone, like all the things I have to do for like the next like months, it just like it just runs forever, right? So many times when I'm driving around with Larry, I hear this phrase, "Okay, Google, do this," and then he just like says a reminder, right? Because we're forgetful people. We don't want to forget something, right? I wasn't calling him out. I'm just saying he's being smart, being wise. You should do that more often. Love you, bro. So what happens is, is we are forgetful people, right? 
And so that's why God's saying, like, there's this urgency to reconciliation. Like, if you remember it, just go do it right now. Don't think I'm going to do this later. Get it done right now. And I feel like what Jesus is telling us, like, it's more important to restore a relationship than to worship at this moment, right? Which is a huge statement to say for Jesus. This is a, a deeper thing because what Jesus wants us to do, John chapter 4, is he's desiring that we worship in spirit and in truth. That our hearts will be ready, our hearts will be right, our hearts will be just ready for, for welcoming God into this presence. For just receiving this worship that God has for us. And whenever we have junk going on in our heart, then we're, we're going to be just thrown off by what God has for us, right? And so Jesus says, do this at this moment. In other words, if you guys remember the sermon title, don't hesitate at this moment. If God's calling you to do something right now, don't hesitate. And look what I love about this. It says, leave your gift at the altar and then go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift, right? Come to terms quickly. Meaning, it's on us. Who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to us in this room. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the audience. He says, if you have something against your brother, go do it, right? He says, don't wait for them to come to you. You go do it, right? Reconciliation and restoration, it's our responsibility as believers of Jesus, Right? This is a way that we display this portrait to the world around us. That when someone has harmed us or we've harmed somebody else, we don't sit around and waiting. We go and do it. Right? We're the ones being proactive about this. Imagine this. Imagine, too, if, if maybe we were proactive about our love rather than reactive about our anger. A lot of times what happens is that we just, we, something happens and we get upset and we just kind of react and we just start doing things based on our emotions. And Jesus says, no, no I want you to do that. Be proactive out of love. And here's the beauty behind all of this. Genesis chapter 3. It'll be on the screen. You don't have to turn there. Genesis chapter 3 is a powerful verse, powerful story. In the beginning of Genesis, we see God creating everything. All of a sudden, God says, let there be light. And all of a sudden, there's light. And let there be animals. Then there's animals. And let there be whatever. And it just happens, right? God, by the power of his speaking, of his word, just starts creating stuff left and right. But then all of a sudden what happens is God creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, and they're hanging out in the garden. They're enjoying the garden. There is no sin in the world, no separation, right? No restoration needed at this time because everything is perfect. Everything is great. All the vegetables taste amazing, right? I wish I, I, wish I knew what that was like. And so all of a sudden God tells Adam and Eve, like, this is the garden. Tend it, keep it, work it, right? Grow this family that you have together. And then what happens is this, is that Eve and Adam... We always want to blame Eve. They get tempted by the devil. The serpent comes in and says, did God really say that, right? He starts questioning, you know, their identity and who God is. And all of a sudden, she takes a bite of the tree that God says, don't do it. She takes a bite. Sin enters the world. I'm paraphrasing all this. Sin enters the world. And what happens is they realize that they're both naked and they're both now shamed, right? All of a sudden, now they come to this realization that their relationship with God is now broken. And they're sitting there and they're ashamed. And they start finding leaves and start covering themselves up. And then God says this powerful question. He says, where are you? Right? God becomes now proactive in finding them. It's not like God didn't know where they were, but he wanted to have this moment with them. He says, where are you? And then Adam is so dumb. He says, well, this woman you gave me messed up, right? We always want to blame somebody else for our, for our mishaps, right? Don't do that. Take ownership of it. And all of a sudden he says, this woman you gave me right now. And then now there's this broken relationship that there's this, this restoration that's needed in this moment, right? But then the most beautiful verse, I think, in all of scripture, Genesis chapter 3 verse 21 says this. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife 
garments of skin and he clothed them. And you're like, that's not very beautiful. That's just kind of weird, right? Why, why, to, why is that beautiful to me? Because check this out. There was a broken relationship that needed to be restored, right? And God was proactive in finding them. And so much more, what they tried to do in that moment was says, I got this, God. I'm going to cover myself up with these leaves. I'm going to do it on my own. And God says, I don't want you to do it on your own. What I'm going to do is I'm going to provide garments of skin for you and cover you up, right? How do you provide garments of skin to somebody? What has to happen? An animal has to die. In other words, a sacrifice had to take place in order for them to be covered up, right? And you know what happened later on, like fast forward thousands of years later, is that we have this now broken relationship with God because of our sin. And what God said is, I don't want you to try doing that on your own. You can try doing all the commandments externally, but you got to work with the root internally, right? And all of a sudden what God says is, let me cover it up for you. And what did he do? He sent Jesus to the cross, right? And says, this is going to be the ultimate sacrifice that by your faith in him, you're now going to be covered up, right? It's this restoration, this reconciliation that's happening. And God was so proactive from the moment that 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 relationship was broken rather than reactive. He says, I'm going to do this for you, right? And he offers that for us. And so here's a couple of just closing points that we can walk away with. In your personal relationship with God, what I want to challenge you with is this, don't hesitate. That when God speaks, this is how we act, right? When it comes to anger, Jesus says, if, if you have anger towards someone, then do this, respond in this way, and don't wait because then it's just going to build up and build up, and then it's gonna, you're going to go somewhere you don't want to go. He says, do it now, right? And all of a sudden, he just tells us, don't hesitate. And there, remember, go do it, right? So in your personal relationship with God, don't hesitate. So a couple of different things. If you're in here and you don't know who Jesus is, and you're saying, man, like you're talking about all this covering up and I have sin, what does that even mean? I don't, I don't even understand that. But you want to know more about what that means? Then come talk to us in the back. We would love to have that conversation with you. And maybe you said, I have my faith in Jesus right now. But, but what's my next step? We believe your next step is baptism. It's taking that next step of obedience and baptism. You're like, oh, I really don't know about that. Don't hesitate. Right? God's calling us to be, to be trust, trusting in him and taking those next steps of faith. Right? We're going to see that today. It's going to be glorious. Right? Amen. The water's ready warm. Right? And maybe for you, you're just like, I just need prayer because I am feeling these moments of, of, of anger. I, I am feeling these moments of frustration, and I don't want to feel this way. Know this. We are not called to battle this world by ourselves. That's why we're a church. Right? It's not church just one person. It's church of people come together, right? So don't battle any emotional distress that you might have. And so there's going to be prayer tables in the back. Go do the work that God is calling you to do right here, right now. Don't, don't just allow yourself to just, just overlook it and think it's not that big of a deal, right? Because that's how it then builds up and builds up. Just start releasing it out now. Watch God work in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. We just thank you for the opportunity that we get to come here and just worship you, God, for the opportunity we get to come here and dive into your word. God, I pray for everybody in this room. Uh, they would not hesitate uh, to do the things that you're calling them to do, God. And God, for the joy that we get to see this, this morning of baptism, I just celebrate the fact that you are working in this place. God, I pray that we would do the work needed God, that we would take action where action is needed and we would be proactive in our love, God, that we would be the salt and light to the world around us. That when people look at Queen's Church and look at, at just churches that believe in Jesus all over this community, they would see us as proactive people who love in a huge way. 
So God, keep working. God, keep moving in the church. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand and worship.